Hope I Got a Mac podcast episode number 49. everybody and welcome back to another episode of help i got a mac my name is cliff ravenscraft and i'm chris biting and we are here to help you the brand new mac switcher or those of you out there who are thinking about becoming a mac switcher this podcast is devoted to answering all of your questions and we're here for you 24 hours a day seven days a week we never sleep here at help i got a mac i think i i sleep when do you sleep uh, right after the show. Oh, okay. Well, we take shifts. Chris <laughs> and I are in shifts all the time, ever vigilant, ready for you, except for when Chris is taking a nap during the post-show discussions. Sometimes I need a nap. <laughs> no doubt. So, hey, what's, I need my beauty sleep. What's new, Chris? What's going on in the in the world of tech as it relates to the Apple? Oh, well, I was going to say, if it's, it, the world of tech as it relates to me, I'm playing a lot of Little Big Planet right now. Little Big Planet. I hear that that's a, is that a strategy game? It's like a puzzle platformer for the PS3. PS3? What's that? The PlayStation 3? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. Oh, I'm a big video game nerd, man. I got the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. No Wii, though. I, I used to have one and I sold it. I like the Wii. Of course, the only thing I ever play on it is Wii Sports and Mario Kart. But, you know, hey, yeah. those, are, those are fun. Yeah, there you go. You know, different strokes. <laughs> but anyway, as far as Mac news, uh, Apple released today iPhoto 7.1.5. So if you have uh, iLife uh, 08, I think it's 08. Yeah, 08. Mm-hmm. Um, hit the little Apple, go to software, update, download that. And it improves the printing quality of books, cards, and calendars that are ordered via the uh, iPhoto printing service, which is cool, especially with uh, the, you know, the holidays coming up. Uh, those books and stuff are a really kind of inexpensive way to get gifts for for people, you know, grandparents and all that kind of stuff. You know, the people who love to see photos of the kids, it's a good way to to get a gift. Absolutely, that's that's cool. Of course, I personally do not use iPhoto, <laughs> and that's okay. We've talked about it before. I, I got a brand new camera. Uh, I got the Canon SX10 mm-hmm. IS or whatever. Really, really nice camera, and I'm. I'm you know, putting all my photos in iPhoto and, you know, I don't know what else you would use to organize your photos. If you have a Mac, maybe uh, Photoshop, uh, was it the Photoshop album or photo album from Adobe or something? Maybe well, for me, what I choose to do, I, I, I don't know how much it is. I think it's 20 bucks a year, but I pay for the um, Flickr plus account or premium account. Yeah. And oh, I was it. So it's like 25 bucks a year. Yeah, it's, it's something ridiculously cheap. And so it, you get it for the entire year. I throw everything up there. All the high res photos, anything I take all goes online up to Flickr. And then I might course, I might do that as a backup. I don't know if I would I would trust my photos only being there. Well, that that's where I was going next. And then, okay. of course, I've got an <laughs> external drive with um everything listed in folders so basically i have like this little directory if you go into my external backup drive you'll Mm -hmm. see a directory called photos and inside that directory you'll see 1999 90 you know 2000 2001 2003 and inside those you will see the months january you know 01 02 03 04 
And so it's all categorized uh, by date and ye- you know month, then year, and um, and then in a, in a big old bucket of photos. But the thing is, is you know how do you find anything? Is the question, right? Well, that's yeah. where Flickr comes in, and uh, okay. and so everything's uploaded to Flickr. And when I upload those photos to Flickr, not only are they tagged by date and month, but they're also tagged by events, and they're put into sets, and they have tags for people, and and so you kind of use Flickr as like a a, a con- like a, a contact sheet, kinda. Yeah, as you use it sheet? use it as a storage, and well, like um, oh, what's that called when you get a bunch of photos on one sheet and you kind of. Search. I think it's called a contact sheet. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big photo but, guy. But but yeah, I mean I, that, that's a good way of doing it. I, I just like the the drop dead simplicity of iPhoto. I just like yeah. I like that I can hook up my camera. It, it dumps it, you know, in the in the events, you know, based on date, and I just kind of name them like you know Ethan's birthday, and boom, all those photos are in one thing. I don't have to worry yeah, about it. I totally get that, and and I think this is a valid conversation. I know we've had it before, but right. uh, you know, realize that a lot of people are tuning in for the very first time. And uh, so I'd like to just have this conversation again. The the reason why sure. I don't like, and, and I'm not arguing, and I don't think that I'm going to convince you otherwise. And Oh, no, no, no. This, is, this all goes down to real quick that, you know, it, different solutions for different things. You exactly. Know? And what, one of the concerns that I have is I, I want to be able to do a lot of video editing on my little MacBook. And and hard drive space is, you know, at a premium. (laughs) And so basically when when you consider, you know, a seven megapixel digital camera throwing down, you know, several megs for every picture and I'm taking, you know, 300, 400 of these photos out on a vacation a couple times a year just going out and doing different things that that's starting to eat away at a lot of hard drive space. And then if you go in and this is one of the things I really despise about about iPhotos, if you go in and you edit a po- program, you do a slight crop, you you do a color correction, it takes and makes a duplicate and it never touches the original. And so when it comes time to, okay, it's like, oh, I want to take and send that photo to somebody else. Well, where do you go in the hard drive to find the one that I already edited or what if, you know, mm. this or that? And I just didn't like the fact that it made duplicates. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see where where that would be annoying. You yeah. know, I a lot of people, um, you know, you you can keep your iPhoto library off of your primary drive onto a onto an external hard drive, which I guess would c- kind of that would help cut down on the space issue. Yeah, and I like the versioning that iPhoto does, where it keeps the original in case I I do something stupid. But okay, you know, to to, to each his own. You know, yeah. if you have a big hard drive, I've got like a. a I don't know, a 200 gig hard drive on my MacBook Pro that I keep most of my stuff on and then I back up every so often onto my Western Digital. So Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, you know, and, and who knows, maybe one day I might go back, but I doubt it. I, I really like, <laughs> I like, I like Flickr and the fact that I doubt, I do have all the, all the photos backed up on a drive. So, um, speaking of, I have a desire to buy a one terabyte backup drive for the studio here. And prior to the announcement of the new MacBooks that we all discussed last week in, mm-hmm. in full detail, um, basically what I want to be able to do is, is have something that can be used for all the stuff that I have, both PC and Mac. And I was kind of up in the air before. And one of the things that I was up in the air about was, you know, whether or not should I go ahead and just get a FireWire drive 
and then use it solely with my MacBook? Or should I go ahead and get USB drive and that way I can attach it to my Airport Extreme and use it for both a network storage device as well as my, um, what's that called, backup program with... Uh, Time Machine. Time Machine. And so, you know, Apple kind of made me feel a little weary now about getting a FireWire drive. Yeah, I the Western Digital I have has uh, FireWire 800, USB 2, and then uh, ESATA, external SATA. And, but, you know, you're going to pay for it. If it's got FireWire on the drive, you're going to pay for it. Gotcha. Let me ask you this. What is the difference between FireWire 400 and FireWire 800? In theory, it's twice as fast, okay. really. Yeah, it's just basically two. They bonded two uh, FireWire 400 connections together. Now, what um, Chef Mark in our chat room at gspn.tv slash live, if you go there, uh, we record a show live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and the conversation kind of continues on there while we talk. Uh, he was saying that he got a, an SATA dock. And what you can do with that, what's cool, it's a little device that, you know, converts to FireWire or, or whatever, USB 2, whatever you want to do. And that allows you to use the, ex, the, the internal drives that you normally put inside your computer as an external drive. And what's cool about those is that they're generally a lot cheaper than just buying, like a 500 gig internal drive is going to be much cheaper than buying a 500 gig external drive because it doesn't include all that extra connections and stuff like that. And you can get stuff like that on like MacSales.com. They sell kind of like the Swiss Army knife of those kind of connections where you can connect any kind of hard drive up to it. So, so ba- tell me, what, you, you got this, this external, I guess, case. Is that what you're saying? Uh, you can get an external case, but you can also get like a little external, looks like a little adapter you just plug the drive into and the bare drive kind of sits out, oh. which is, you know, if, if you're, if you have little kids, probably not a good idea, but you know, if you're, if, if if the kids aren't running around in your studio, then that might be an idea because you know you don't want them to touch you know exposed to like uh, you know main boards and stuff like that. Okay, so basically it's just a it's a just a little dock that leaves it exposed. Mm-hmm. Which you could of course make your own enclosure if you wanted to, I suppose. Oh sure, but the the advantage is, is you can use any kind of drive, and the internal drives are a lot cheaper. So right. See, that's what I was thinking. Now, let's just say if I were to go in and purchase a one terabyte drive, which I found some one terabyte drives external for about one seventy nine. I think that's a pretty decent price. I probably find them online cheaper. Yeah. And so if I had a one terabyte USB drive, I, I plug that thing right into the back of my airport extreme. It becomes wirelessly available as a network storage drive. Is this correct? Um, I guess, I mean, if, if, if the computer's on the network, it can be a network, a network storage drive. Right. So, so yeah. anything that's on the network, there's some, there's some Kung Fu you'll have to do to it. You'll have to enable drive sharing and things like that, but I would think so. Yeah. Okay. So the question I have is if I've got one terabyte, what if I only want to make, let's say 160 gigs of that available for time machine? And the rest available for just pure storage. What you would do is you would you would open Disk Utility, which is uh, under the Applications folder under Utilities. You'll see a, pr- a program called Disk Utility. And what you can do is partition a disk. And what that does is it splits that one drive into two drives, not physical drives, but 
logically, it splits it into two drives. And that way, the Mac can see both sections. You carve off a piece, and you can dedicate that for just storing random stuff. And then the other piece would be used for, uh, for Time Machine. Basically, it's like taking a pizza and just separating all the slices out into two separate sides. Gotcha. Well, that, that's what I'm thinking about doing then, because I, I do want to have time. I, I want to be able to start using Time Machine wirelessly and, and having that availability since, you know, you've got a terabyte of data. I think that that it's pretty simple. I don't know what I have. I probably have a 120 gig hard drive in my MacBook. So I figured, yeah. you know, 260 gigs to, to keep that Time Machine back up going would be good. And then I, I've almost got three quarters of a terabyte still left. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's what I would do. I, I, I've done that before. Now, with my 500 gig hard drive, I'm actually using it as more of a media store for my Apple TV. So I'm not going to be using it for Time Machine and stuff like that since it's going to be hooked up to my Apple TV most of the time. Right. So let me ask you, because one of the things I've been doing is I've been using just the main hard drive on my XP machine. The, uh, it's got like a 160 gig hard drive in it. And I've I've created a folder called shared folder, and then I share that out as a drive on the network, and that seems to be working pretty well. In fact, I, I've got a lot of downloaded content, you know, stuff that's available for viewing, um, and and I play that via the wireless through the house, streaming right. it upstairs to the television with another computer hooked up to it. So so I would assume that plugging an external drive into the back of my Airport Extreme would give me pretty much the same um, speed as far as delivering that digital content, wouldn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And then should I worry, what what should I do about drive speed? Do I really care about that at this point? Not really. If you're doing it, if you're using the drive for archival purposes, disk speed isn't a huge deal. You know, if you're going to be streaming video off of it or or editing video from it or something like that, then then disk speed's going to be the big deal. Okay. So I, I'm, I don't plan on doing any video editing. I do plan on doing a lot of storing some of the video content that I've already edited in some raw data after the fact over there. But Yeah, I, you should be fine then. But I do plan on storing some, you know, some old episodes of some TV shows and stuff that I have downloaded. Right. And that that's fine too. Um, on, on this Apple TV, I think it's a 7800 drive mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's fine. Or gotcha. 7,200, I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, back to news because we got off a little tangent there. Sure. Um, Code Weavers, uh, these are pretty cool hacker hacker guys. They're not hacker guys, but uh, they're real good at, at, at writing software and stuff. They've released a product called um, Crossover Mac. What's cool about Crossover Mac, it allows you to do things like run Office or run games and stuff like that that are originally written for Windows on a Mac without loading Windows on it. It okay. does some kind of uh, voodoo, you know, where it kind of translates it on the fly. Well, this software is normally $40. Well, Code Weavers, just for tomorrow, if you go to Code Weavers, and that's W-E-A-V-E-R-S dot com, Code Weavers, uh, just for tomorrow on Tuesday. So if, if you're listening to this after the 28th of October, I'm sorry. Um, they're going to be giving away the software, you know, one copy per person the whole day because the CEO... Uh, said that if gas prices went below two dollars and seventy, like seventy-eight cents in his hometown, he would uh, 
he was basically calling for George Bush to do it, but he said if the gas prices went down that low, he would give away the software. Well, the gas prices went down that low, and now he's making good on it. So even if you don't know if you're going to use it in the future, uh, just download it anyway at CodeWeavers.com, crossover Mac. And if you do have that one program that you want to run on, that, that's a Windows program, but you don't want to load Windows on your Mac and use like Parallels or Boot Camp or anything like that, you can use this program, and it's probably going to work pretty well. So you now, free software. So that that sounds awesome, but does it run it fast enough though? I mean, oh yeah, I play Half Life Two with it, which is a, a fairly uh, recent game. You know, it came out I don't know maybe three or three years ago or so, and it, it runs it just fine. And uh, you know, it comes with a, a year of updates and stuff like that. So I mean, it's it's a full license. He's not like giving away you know uh, an itty bitty little license. That's that sounds interesting. So what if I had? Let's say QuickBooks for my business that runs only on the PC. Would something like this work for that? Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be, it would be fine. Really? Yeah, then pretty why, awesome. Huh? Then why are we out there spending 70, 80 bucks for parallels then? I don't know. Because the full Windows experience. This is, it, it uses a, a program called Wine, which uh-huh. is, stands for Windows, not an emulator, something like that. And it, you know, I mean, it doesn't work perfect. If you go to codeweavers.com, it'll tell you what software works perfect and what software still has some issues and stuff. But they're constantly updating it, constantly testing new pieces of software with it. You know, at least give it a shot. I mean, the price is right, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely will be downloading that tomorrow and, and we'll see how it goes. It's going to be on the website tomorrow. That's so okay. If you go to it right now, it doesn't say anything about it. Wait a second. I don't. Uh, I've got another question here for you, Chris. So, mm-hmm. so on a on a PC, when I download a program and stuff like that, it's got a setup.exe executable program, right? And you double click on that on the Mac. What's it going to do? It's going to fire up uh, Crossover and, and ask you if you want to install it. And where's it going to put all that stuff? I mean, it's got DLLs. There's no registry in in the Mac. Yeah, it, it creates something called a bottle. Okay. And this bottle, because it's wine, you know, wine bottle, ha, 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 basically downloads all the components it needs to, to make it work. It kind of makes a little itty-bitty virtual machine type thing inside this bottle, and everything runs in this bottle. Gotcha. PubsPal says uh, it opens crossover and creates a little C drive inside the home folder so mm-hmm. so wow that very interesting i, I definitely want to see that and, and see how it works and and try it out with some programs i wonder if it would work with like adobe audition 2.0 i'd love to do something other than opening opening up parallels parallels is you know it, it's just a hassle to wait for it to load and and everything else I, it'd be nice to have something that runs like this we say adobe adobe audition yeah let me look let me look here. I'll right. look right now while while you're talking. Uh, if you want to cool. talk, you want to talk about. The, I'll let you do the next story about the Apple fourth quarter results. I'll All right, look that up exactly. So you have posted in here for, for our show notes. The Apple fourth quarter results are in. The company posted a revenue of seven point nine billion dollars. Uh, quarterly profit of one point one four billion. So they're still profitable. That's good to hear. Apple- <laughs> Apple shipped, uh, let's see here, 2,661,000 Macintosh computers during the quarter. That's like an okay number. <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of Macs being sold. The company yeah. sold 11,052,000 11, iPods during the quarter. 
And quarterly iPhone units sold were 6,892,000. Quarterly. That's that's three months, almost 7 million iPhones sold. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Woo. Anyway, $25 billion of cash safely in the bank with zero debt. Sold more phones than RIM this time around and has liquid ca- has more liquid cash than Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft. The, the, I just looked at that software. It's not listed there, but, you know, give it a shot. Um, yeah, I just looked at uh, – was looking up this fact. Uh, if, if Microsoft wants to buy Yahoo, they would have to take a line of credit out because they don't have enough liquid money to buy Yahoo. Right. Right. Microsoft or uh, Apple could buy Yahoo at the price that they that Microsoft was trying to buy it out today and still have like half a billion in cash. That is crazy. They could buy Adobe. Adobe's market capital is only 12, uh, 12 billion. They could buy Adobe and still have thirteen billion in cash. I think, in theory, I think they should buy Adobe and start giving us our darn flash on our iPhones. <laughs> that would be funny, wouldn't it? Come on. So yeah, so Apple, uh, Apple definitely is is sitting pretty in this whole economic uh, crisis that we're having. You know, they've got plenty of cash on hand, no debt. They're a debt free company. They became a debt free company back in like two thousand four, so they have no debt. They have plenty of money. Uh, I think they're not going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I, if if anything, that right there, I, I totally respect a company that can operate in the black and and doesn't continually go into debt and and has cash reserves. I mean just absolutely brilliant and and I you know I think they should be commended for that. And I just yeah, I, I just hope that Apple stays out of the political realm of things. Uh recently there have been stories of Google getting out there and 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 you know having an official stance on certain you know hotly debated political issues in California and then uh who else was it somebody else recently out the it's it's funny that you mentioned that Apple actually did no they on, didn't on, on Friday yeah oh man come on Apple yeah the same actually probably the same issue um I think it's uh proposition eight as they did yeah on uh did Google and you know to each his own? Um, I'm not sure if a, a publicly traded company should support any issue publicly. I, I don't know. Um, that's not really for me to decide. Um, but you know, uh, it, to me, it's not going to. I'm not going to stop using products based on what they. On, yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. I mean, it. I, I would understand if they were a different type of organization, but you know, hey, it's their money, not mine. I get. I guess is the way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not going to make their products any any less awesome in in my opinion so Mm. you know yeah so anyway so that's what's going on in the world of mac news man very cool that's all that's all i got for news so go to code codeweavers.com i'm gonna remind everybody on twitter tomorrow to do it download that product and and play with it and you know all that good stuff and and call us in with some or call us in some feedback giving us your experience or you can of course start up a thread over at gspn.tv slash forum in the help i got a mac section and in fact i'm looking right now just real quickly i didn't do this before the show to see if we have any phone calls 
from last week and we do not and while so. you're looking i'm i'll uh I, I, boxy released the new update later on last week and it is uh, i was talking about how hulu was all kind of jittery and hitchy and stuff like that hulu and both cbs.com run perfect now on the apple tv so i can watch shows on demand through through the the apple tv and it runs awesome that is very cool to hear i'm glad i'm glad they got that squared away for you <laughs> Yeah, so, Boxy, uh, B-O-X-E-E dot TV. Uh, if you want an invite, just shoot me an email. So so basically, you're running Flash video on your Apple TV. Yes. That is cool. It's I awesome. Like man. It's, so, it's so great. I was like watching MacGyver, like the season one, just boom, right then and there. It just works perfectly. I wonder if somebody could create a little uh, USB dongle that turns that thing into just like a very low powered PC. You can, yeah, there you can actually hack and put, uh, I know you can put uh tiger on it. I don't think it runs real well, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, you can hack it. Yeah. You, you do have to hack the Apple TV to put boxy on there. There's a program. Just look for patch stick in Google on, uh, just do a Google search for Pat's patch stick and you'll find out all about making a patch stick. It's pretty easy. Very cool. People in our chat room were asking if you had to hack the Apple TV. You have to basically jailbreak your Apple TV. Exactly. Which, which, uh, I mean, of course, this is not us saying go for it. But from what I understand, the the risk is low. I mean, you can just do it like a, a factory reset or restore and get it back to its original. Yeah, they state. put uh, they have a partition on the hard drive that has the, a full restore. Uh, sector on it so if you do have any problems you just hold down the menu and the minus key the apple tv will reboot and oh no i'm sorry it's play pause and minus and the apple tv will reboot in like a safe mode and they'll say do you want to restore you hit yes and you're back you're you're golden after that cool i don't know about you chris but i've been taking a look at the forum over at gspn.tv slash forum and it is alive and crazy with lots of people talking about lots of different things related to the mac have you seen that I have. It's awesome. It is really cool to see the community come alive. And not only that, but to see the community answering each other's questions in between the episodes. And uh, one of the things that we have, I'm pulling out here, and Pups Pals is in the chat room with us this evening as well. But uh, this comes from a a little while back, but I wanted to bring it up in the show. She wrote in the forum, um, I'll admit that I know that Max are supposed to have uh, 10%. 10% 10% of the hard drive space free for all the apps to run properly. I have, according to Finder, a 92.84 gigabyte hard drive. So 92 gigs of available hard drive space there uh, on her MacBook Pro and about 3.66 gigs are left free. Uh, and she says, I know, I know, but I like podcasts. Wow. That, <laughs> I think those we could back off into uh, an external drive, hopefully. Anyway, I've been finding a lot of my applications won't launch. Thankfully, the ones I use every day, like web browsers, Twirl and Twitter, iTunes, etc., all work fine. But other applications from Photoshop to Microsoft Word will bounce in the dock, sometimes give me a splash screen if I'm lucky, then give me the crash window every time. I've tried to repair permissions, even cleaning out the cache, and every other thing you can run with Onyx, uh, I guess, which is must be a diagnostic software package. Yes. Onyx, okay. I've, I've even zapped Pram, 
uh, Apple Shift PR, booted into safe mode, hold down shift, and turned off uh, startup items on user account launch. I've even rebuilt the hard drive using Disk Warrior. No luck. I'm pretty darn sure that my issue is lack of hard drive space. But um, I know on my old PowerBook, I didn't have this issue when I ran on ran down on lo, or ran low on disk space. Does anyone know if this is something uh, different from the PowerBooks to the Mac to the new MacBooks? Uh, I'm still working on cleaning out space. It used to be uh, zero to one gig free, but uh, so far no luck. Just wondering if anyone has had issues like this or has any idea what's causing it. Y- Yes. <laughs> What's that? Um, you really want to have. He's right. You want to have it. There, uh, he, she, pups, pals. Like I'm not sure. I'm assuming. Um, yeah, you want to have 10 percent of that drive free. The reason is, is because those big programs like Photoshop and really Office is kind of bloated now. So I'm going to say Office too. But mainly Photoshop needs first off as much RAM as it can have. The next thing it uses is a scratch disk. So if it's trying to initialize that that scratched disk and there's not really enough space for it to kind of to spread its legs mm-hmm. and and just kind of you know get comfortable, it's going to crash. Uh, another thing you might want to check is the preference files, the plist. They're called plist files for these applications, and you might want to trash the plist files. And I think if you hold down Shift. Option and command and launch Photoshop. I think it'll ask you if you want to clear out your preferences. Let me launch the holding down these keys just to make sure. And what were those keys again? It's uh, Shift Option Command, and then I'll delete. And, and yeah, you, you, then you launch by holding down those keys. You launch the file, and it'll say delete the Photoshop settings file. If you do that, that might fix the problem. I'm not 100 percent sure though. Gotcha. It could be something to try. Sometimes those those P lists, those preference files get corrupted, and if you delete them and then you launch the application, you have to do kind of a search for them. Um, if you delete those and then launch the application, if the application doesn't see that settings file, it'll recreate a new, fresh default settings file, and sometimes that'll fix programs that won't start. Very cool. But I think probably the disk space is probably the main issue. Uh, huge issue. We we talked about some programs a while back that kind of break down your folder into viewable bits where it, it kind of organizes everything by the size of the folder. Do you mm-hmm. remember what the name of one of those programs are? Oh, man, I don't. Um, I'll tell you what. Let me go to helpigotamac.com, and I will see if I can quickly peruse through here because I have this program and it is it is absolutely amazing. You know Can't what? You check your your Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me move over to my Mac as I produce this podcast exclusively on a PC. Uh too funny. Where would I find that? It's probably in my applications folder. And that might be it. Um what size? What size? Ooh. Yes. Well, what size is a cost application? There is a free one, though. Oh, well, then I, I'm pretty sure I chose a free one. So let me see if I can find it. Disk Inventory X sounds right, too. Di- yes, there. that's it. that is exactly what it is. Disk Inventory X. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Uh, Who was that in the chat room? Jay Patrick. All right. Thank you, Patrick, very much for that. But yes, Disk Inventory X is absolutely wonderful. Run it, pups, pals, and it, it it's actually free. And what's the size? It, it's pretty small. I don't think it's that big. Let me see if I can hit get info and find out for you. 6.1 megs. 
So it, it's it's not large at all. Go ahead and install that. And what I'm going to suggest that you do is grab yourself an external drive. Even if you have like a 100 gig drive, which is extremely cheap. I mean, these things, drives are so cheap these days. Just get yourself an inexpensive external drive and use the Disk Inventory X and just find some data that is not accessed accessed all the time especially those basically what you can do for your podcast if you're using itunes to get those here's what you do you you go into uh your finder window you uh, go down into your user and then you go into the your your music folder your itunes folder and then you go into itunes music and then inside itunes music you'll see a list you'll see a bunch of folders with all the names of artists or albums and among that list of um, I guess it's artists, you'll see a folder called podcasts and you double click on that and you'll see a bunch of folders for all the podcasts. You can literally drag every single one of those uh, folders right into um, right into uh, an empty folder space on the external drive. And then what you can do is you go into iTunes, highlight all those old uh, episodes and do whatever the thing is to delete it and tell it to move it to the trash, empty out your trash bin. And, but before you do the deleting, just open up your external drive and look at, let's say gspn.tv help. I got a Mac double click on that. And you'll see inside there is a, is a, is a hard copy of or digital copy, I guess of all the MP3 files in that folder from everything you've downloaded and saved. So I, I know that alone is going to free up gigs of space. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's it's amazing the the amount of bloat that iTunes will, will create. I think my my iTunes folder is about sixty gig, but I I'm really really uh, kind of anal retentive on my um, on my podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I get as soon as I get done listening to one, I delete it from iTunes. Yeah. I mean well, I. I think I have like two podcasts in my iTunes right now of of stuff that I may have, may not be done with yet. Yeah, and the the thing is, is there are some people who really do like to archive all that content. I remember there used to be this one podcast that I listened to. A good friend of mine, his name's Mark Hunter from uh, Scotland, and he did the Tartan podcast. And I remember there was like fifteen different episodes of the Tartan podcast that probably I had on my iPod. And in iTunes, I, I probably kept them there for a good 10, 11 months before I finally just started my own uh, PodSafe music podcast and and featured a lot of those same songs that I liked out of those episodes. And, and then I had my own episodes and I had the actual music uh, individually. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I know the desire to to archive a lot of the data that you've downloaded and, and it's nice to be able to go through and and see that stuff later if you want to be able to do that because you just never know you you might have a podcaster out there that you've been listening to and you've gotten some great insight from their materials and and you just don't know they 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 might have been here two years ago and they might not be here today and and all their stuff's no longer online yeah well that's not going to happen with gspn.tv <laughs> no we're, we're here for the long haul that's right so anyway, uh, thank you for that question. Hopefully that was helpful to you. But yeah, it, I think it's definitely a, a, a space issue. Chris K, do you want to read the little note from Chris K in from the forum? Sure. Uh, yeah, Chris K said, uh, oh, is this the, the, the two pieces of software that they found? Yes, yes. Okay. 
Chris K said, uh, this is a new Mac user. Found two rather useful pieces of software for the Mac I thought that I want to share. The first one is MP3 Trimmer. So far, I admit that I really don't care for GarageBand. All I want to do is take an MP3 of a podcast I listen to and be able to edit them down so I can save the best interviews, calls, whatever on my iPod. That's where MP3 Trimmer comes in super handy. You load the file in, advance to the start of the clip you want, click the button to set the start time, then you go to the end part of the clip and click the button to set the end time. Then you save it and your clip's ready in your library. With the unregistered version, you have to wait for a loading screen again before it starts saving, but it gets the job done very well. And uh, the site is deepniner.net, D-E-E-P-N-I-N-E-R.net slash mp3 trimmer yeah and just so you guys know uh before we go on to the next one you go to gspn.tv slash forum go to the help i got a mac section and the title that you'd be looking for for the direct links is uh some more useful mac software also this is episode number 49 of help i got a mac i'm gonna put the show notes from now from now on all the show notes are going into the help i got a mac section of the forum so you just look for episode number 49 show notes Yes. All right, Shades. Yeah, the next software is Shades for the iMac. It puts little sunglasses up the top near the dock, up near the clock with a little slider to easily adjust the brightness of your screen. If you think your screen's too bright, give it a try. That's pretty cool. Yep, and so that is a, definitely an option for you there as well. The one thing... Now, there, there is a program you can, you can do. Um, I think if you go to the... Uh, that eh, doesn't do it. Never mind. I was going to say, you, you can show the displays in your menu bar and in the settings, but it doesn't let, let you adjust the brightness. But also you can, well, if you're on a laptop, you can adjust the brightness. You can't do it on your iMac on your keyboard. But if you have a, a, a MacBook or a MacBook Pro, you can adjust the brightness on your key, with your keyboard. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's definitely got the iMac. So, and I yeah. guess if you're sitting up on that and it's a dark room, that thing could be pretty bright. So shades is the program and there'll be a link in the show notes episode number 49 yes. all right i want to take just a moment to say that uh you know you might be asking yourself well hello uh this is episode number 49 i'm not able to find episode number 48 uh chris do you have any idea where that episode might be uh it's in my pocket no it's not in my pocket it's available for our plus members that's right. In fact, uh, every other episode of the Help I Got a Mac podcast is now available for free. However, Chris and I are still here every single week answering your questions, helping you out. And uh, what we have done is we are still making every episode every week available to our Plus members. There's a separate feed that has that available. And for those of you who are Plus members, we want to say thank you because uh, without you, I would, my, Stephanie and I, my wife and I, we do podcasting full time. We bring Chris in here to really bring in the expert uh, answers that we need to, to really come in with, a, with some good experience and to help us what's going on. But again, none of this is possible unless we have the Plus membership. We're, our goal is to get to 500 Plus members by the end of the year. We have a special going on right now. It's $10 a month, but it's not just for this podcast. Stephanie and I produce a total of 20 podcasts, and our our whole 
purpose for everything is to entertain people, educate people, to encourage and inspire people. We encourage you guys to check out some of our other shows. Simply go to gspn.tv and just look through the different shows that we have available. I really want to encourage you to do that. And uh, the cool thing is, is that if you become a charter member here in 2008, Stephanie and I, we find, we've been doing podcasting since 2005. But in January of 2008, we took this on full time as a career. And if you become a charter member this first year between now and, and, and December 31st, you get the first three months half off. And to find all the details, you can go to gspn.tv slash plus or you can do like some people do. And, and they ask me questions, you know, hey, I got a question about this. Hey, can I still get this in iTunes? The answer to your question is yes. And uh, but if you have any other questions, send, send those questions to feedback at gspn.tv and I'll be happy to answer those for you. And Chris, I'm excited because like five minutes before we started this show, we added two brand new gspn.tv plus members. We're now up to 160 members. That's awesome. And really, you know, with with the way the economy now it, it is and stuff, it's it's really awesome that people think the content is is so good that, that they become a plus member. It really says a lot about the kind of content that you're producing. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and if anybody's wondering, if, you, if you've never heard another show that, that we produce, I'll simply just ask you to go to gspn.tv slash about, and it'll tell you about a little bit about what we are, how we got started and stuff like that. And I uh, just want to encourage you to check that out. And just like I said, check out some of our other shows. We'd yeah, love for definitely. You to do that. If you like you know, if you watch TV, you like, you know, you like uh, Lost and you like uh, Heroes, uh, Heroes, yeah, you know, things like that. If you like that kind of stuff and you like to talk to people and hear people discuss those things and, you know, let's say you, you watch Heroes and none of your friends watch Heroes and they're tired of you talking about Heroes. This is a place where, where people who are just as enthusiastic and maybe just as confused as you are about shows um, gather and discuss. And it's, you know, we do our live show. Uh, we do the live Mac show just like he does all the other shows, and people are in the chat rooms discussing and talking, you know, having side conversations. So it's really, really cool that you can become a part of this. And it's, it, you know, it, Cliff's got entertainment podcasts. Uh, if you like Hannah Montana, if you like, um, you know, music. Desperate, Desperate Housewives. Desperate and- Housewives. Private practice. I think you just interviewed someone, uh, two people from the private practice TV show, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, dude, that was so amazing. You talk about fun. That was that was really cool, and of you know, course he's got, he's got faith based podcast, family podcast, technology. You know, it, 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 Cliff runs the gambit of everything. So <laughs> we have if, lots if, of fun. If this isn't what you, you know, if you like technology but you also like other things, he's probably got more than one show for you. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for for those of you who are plus members. It, it is totally awesome, and those of you who are considering it, we thank you for that as well. Chris, do you have anything else before we wrap things up for the week? I don't. Uh, if you have a PlayStation Three, get Little Big Planet because it's awesome. Is it awesome? It's it, it is so cute and so sweet. It makes my teeth hurt when I play it, but it's so much fun. There's, it's not real like you know. There, it, it's a it's something like the whole family can play. Hey, you know, I almost I came so close to buying one of two games this week, either Age of Empires Three or Roller Coaster Tycoon Three. Mm, they're both fun yeah those are both my those are my kind of games (laughs) mind-numbing boringness (laughs) all right we'll talk to you all next week until next time join the community see ya